Are you paying attention to the rise of UTSA? You should be in Karen Aston's here to tell us all about it. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl. I want to thank you for showing up for us every day, making us your first listen. We are here for you six days a week, and over 100,000 of you showed up in September alone. We are on track to break that record in October. We've done it four months in a row. I've just been so gratified to have all of you with us. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And more importantly, it's not just me. It is the incredible group over at The Next, where we have over 100 reported pieces every month on the past, present, and future of the sport. TheNextHoops.com, where you can subscribe for $9 a month, $72 a year. It is the Women's Basketball Network we have always wanted, and now it is here. And we are delighted at Lockdown Women's Basketball to speak to Karen Aston. Coach, I'm just going to intro this so people have an understanding. We're here in year three. You come in, seven wins in year one, up from one the year before you got there. Last year, 13 and 19, growing in what I think you can best describe as a startup culture for a UTSA athletic department, you know, that is growing into your vision for it. You've obviously done this a lot of different places. You went everywhere you go. I'm wondering this specific challenge, what's been the most rewarding part of it for you so far? Um, I think the most rewarding is it, it's kind of twofold. And, and, you know, once you have the experiences that I've had and in particular, um, you know, the departure from Texas and then taking a year off and making a decision, okay, I, I am going to get back into it and making a decision as to who you wanted to surround yourself with. I think one of the things that's been so rewarding for me is watching the staff come together and grow, you know, I mean, amazingly. I mean, obviously I had worked with Jamie before, but I had not worked with Empress or Cameron Miles in the capacity of coaching. So the first thing has just been to watch the staff grow um, and blossom, like basically in front of your eyes. So that's been really fun for me as a, an older coach that can appreciate hard work. Uh, and then the second thing is just seeing the growth of, of the young women. I mean, you know, we all say that it's kind of a, a buzzword, you know, we're here to make them better and all of that. But I think just the first year that I was here, I mean, it was, it's hard to, it's hard to describe how much joy you could get out of just winning a game. But I think that it gave me a lot of perspective. I mean, we had a, we inherited a, a group of young women and I did not get rid of any of them. I just said, okay, like we're going to go with what we got. I, you know, I'm going to try to make this the best experience that I can. And I mean, again, you expressed it. You, they won one game the year before. Right. And when we came in, um, you know, the first win, I mean, I still remember it like it was yesterday and to see the joy in their eyes and really the confidence building. 
And then from from that start to, you know, the end of the year, the first year, uh, again, seven wins doesn't sound like very much. And it's not in, in our world, but it was a lot for these kids. And just to see their confidence from day one to the finish uh, and how much they enjoyed the process of it was I mean, that was the most rewarding thing for me. And then last year we had a whole new group. Uh, we had we had some turnover, graduation, you know, injuries, season career ending injuries uh, with several kids. So we, we, we regrouped. I mean, we had, you know, a, a re, basically a whole new team and that that was a process. So to see that group who didn't even know each other, you know, and, and start to see them develop, um, see kids like Jordan, you mentioned, we talked about her a little bit before we, we jumped on here and just to see someone that, I mean, she's enormously talented, but to see some joy in her eyes and see her really enjoy playing the game was fun for me as a coach. I mean, Jordan Jenkins, uh, uh, the numbers are eye popping and we'll, we'll get into that obviously as part of what this group is. But I, I want some top line things for people to understand. I want to ground our discussion in it. And as coach, you know, from a long time, I like to get nerdy on this stuff. And there are these hallmarks of your teams and, and, and at UT and everywhere you've coached. And so this was a team that you inherited that was 300th in the country in rebound rate and 266 in block rate. And in year one, utilizing the same group, you were top 75 in the country in both of these metrics, just right. like that, just from the system that you're putting in. And then you look at what you did last year, and suddenly you're 12th in the country in block rate, and you're rebounding, and you always do that. And the, and it, it I, I always love that, right? The, to me, like the hallmark of like the separator, when you look at what a coach is able to do, is like wherever she goes, there are these things that are part of the teams that come in. How do you instill that in a group you're inheriting before we even get to like what this group is now that you've been able to start to shape here as you head into year three? Well, I think you have to have buy-in. I mean, it's always about that. I mean, and, and that was extremely rewarding for me to have to come in here and have staff buy-in. I mean, that that's number one. I mean, you're, you know, you have to have coaches that all speak the same language. Uh, have the same message and regardless of whether, you know, they like it or not, like if they work for you, they have to, they have to believe in that and they have to have the same vision that you do. So um, that was a big piece for me was hiring people that I really knew had the same understanding. And obviously two of them are former players and former coaches. And I think that, you know, that was a, a big plus to be able to bring them in. Uh, and then the, the, the second part is the player buy-in. You know, there there wasn't any hesitation with those players that we inherited. OK, give me what you got. Tell me what you want me to do. And I'm going to run through a wall to try to do it for you. And that first group that I coached here will be one of my most favorite groups. And it had nothing to do with wins, losses, anything like that. It was just how much they tried every day to do the best and be the best they could be. And that's really all coaches are asking for. You know, the rest of it normally falls into place by talent, execution, all of that. But um, and then the second group last year had a little more potential to be good in those areas. Uh, but I think the recruiting process is huge. You know, Howard, I mean, I think we have to recruit to what our system is and what your head coach's beliefs are. 
Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast one time with, with the, the Sampsons uh, at, you know, at Houston and, and, you know, Kellen said, like, I have to recruit to my head coach's system, you know, and what his beliefs are. And if you don't do that, then you're just, you know, you're, you're going to beat your head against the wall. So I think it starts with the recruiting process and we're trying really hard to recruit players that do want to rebound and do want to defend and want to get out and transition and, and have the ability to do that also. Um, you know, it, it becomes a little frustrating if you, I mean, obviously there's different pieces to a team and everybody can't be the same, but I think if you can get the majority of your team to like to play like that and really believe in it and have a vision that's the same as yours, then I think you're going to be successful at it. And again, there's not a physical type that we're talking about. I, I think it would be fair to say that um, you have had your share, your range of players uh, of all <laughs> sizes, whether we're talking Brooke McCarty or we're talking Imani McGee Stafford or we're talking Ariel Atkins right in the middle. So, it, you know, the mentality, the focus on that uh, is, it seems to me, the common thread as you run through what these players are for you. But there's also a common thread, which is that we see a lot of them go on to the pros. And I do wonder, and, and you know, as you think about the group that you're developing here, this is now a team that is heading into the AAC, which is a, a frankly, a criminally underrated conference that is capable of producing pro players and does on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Is part of this conversation, whether it's with the Jordan Jenkins, who we'll talk about even more in segment two, or even the players who are looking to come here is, you know, look, this is what I've done throughout my career. This is, these are the players who are in the WNBA now. This is what we can be as well, even as you're balancing that against the system you want to run. For sure. You know, I, I definitely think that our players understand that we're we're training them uh, not only to win here at this level, but we're also training them to have the opportunity. And I, I say opportunity because, you know, it's uh, the dynamic of overseas has changed so much that I, I think the WNBA, hopefully with expansion, mm -hmm. is going to be able to interject more young players. But, the you know, the bottom line is, like, if that's what they're – goals are and and aspirations are to try to play professionally in some manner then our jobs are to try to help them get there in the in the in the realm of also making sure we're taking care of what you know our own program and being the best we can be here we have also an obligation to teach them how to be a professional and that's in every area of life it's not just basketball so that i have a i have an enormous amount of respect and, and perspective on what our jobs are and I think our players know that. I think deep down inside, they understand that we're trying to get the absolute most out of them to teach them to be a pro uh, in whatever that is they choose to be. But I, and I think there are a lot of them that when they get here, they don't see that. You know, now I think, as you just said, maybe the ones that are starting to buy in, you know, and, and sign in the last couple of years. And then as we even move forward to our our signing class that's that's going to sign in November. I mean, we have we have some commitments already, and I think all of those we actually have conversations with. You know, what is your pro potential, and what what are your you know what are your aspirations? You know, right. professionally, and 
And then I think that the players understand that we're really trying to get them to that point. I mean, I have former pros on my staff that understand what that has to look like every day, what the training has to look like, what their approach has to look like. So I think that, you know, are we going to have, you know, a draft pick every year? I mean, I don't know, you know, but I'd like to think that we're approaching it where we're trying to do that. Yeah. No, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And where that trajectory is and where it's going is something we're going to dive into more in segment two. First, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel has an offer that's really going to help you if you want to bet this NFL season. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So, yes, not the Giants. Not the Giants. But that's $150 if your team wins. So, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, under, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I'm just going to, I have to hit one more thing on the history before we move on to the future, which is to say that uh, you came to Texas you, after year one, made the NCAA tournament every year. You advanced every year. It took a literal global pandemic to keep you from 20 wins and making noise in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm just going to let those numbers sit there and let everybody kind of drink them in. Okay, let's talk UTSA now because I want to talk about Jordan Jenkins. And let's just get through the numbers, the top line first. It is one thing to have the production that she had north of 20 points per game, but for her to do it, shooting better than 53% from two, being able to get to the basket uh, already uh, near 30% from three. I know that's going to be, I would imagine, an area of focus. Seven and a half rebounds a game. Um, turnovers are probably higher than you like as well. Um, but, I, you know, take me through what you see. What are the opportunities for Jordan Jenkins to take the next level forward? Well, again, cliche, but the sky's the limit for this young lady. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, I will start out by saying she is an absolute joy to coach. And she loves the game and lives and breathes it. I mean, it, it, she's one of those that if she doesn't get to get on the court, and it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it's either individual work or, you know, team games. Like, she doesn't just live for the games. And I think that's... Right. When you know a, a player really loves the sport and loves playing, it is that she she loves the game. Don't get me wrong; they all do, but she loves to train. Uh, she loves the gym, and she's just enormously gifted. I, you know, there are some players that I I say this all the time. I think they walked out of the womb with a shooting motion, and it's just so natural. You know, so there's so many things that you can work with with her because you're not spending a lot of time, you know, trying to fix a shot or trying, you know, the the shot is really very, very natural. Her shooting motion is so smooth and so natural. Her footwork is so good. Um, So there's just so many things that she has ahead of her. 
Um, I will say that she's had a bit of a, she had a setback this summer. Um, so potentially we'll be slow moving as we move forward in the season, but it's one of those things that I don't ever hesitate with what her future is. Um, I think she is a pro uh, because of the way she handles her business on the court. Um, I think that she will have a lengthy career. Uh, you know, I mean, she obviously health, all of those things matter, yeah. but she is um, as talented really, to be honest with you, as any player I've coached. And that's saying a lot. I mean, you know, it, when you talk about some of the players that I had the opportunity and the privilege to coach at Texas and even Charlotte, I mean, one of the best players I've coached in my career played at Charlotte mm -hmm. uh, and has had a lengthy career overseas and, and was just uber talented. So I, I've, I've had the privilege of coaching a lot of them and Jordan is right up there with the best of them. I mean, she's just really, really gifted. And I pray for her that she is able to stay healthy yeah. throughout her professional career because it's going to be a long one and a productive one it's there's two things to tease out of that to me and one is it's not just that you've produced pros you've produced pros who have done more at the pro game than even necessarily expectations were coming in now i will just say ariel atkins we had we had our expectations for her that were through the through the ceiling Mike Tebow will insist forever that he had exactly the same expectations for her. So it's not like it surprised the mystics when they were able to get what they got out of her. But I'm just wondering, are, are you seeing parallels between Jordan Jenkins and Ariel? You know, somebody a similar size, somebody who has uh, an interestingly similar skill set. And then the other side of that is you have Jordan taking two and a half threes per game last year, wasn't as big a part of her game at USC. Is it part of that with developing her kind of pro mold for the way in which you want her to get to? Well, for sure. I think if you saw, I saw her shoot the three right now, you'd be, you'd be impressed with probably where that, that percentage is going. And, yeah. you know, there is, let me say this about Ariel. Ariel was Ariel was made to be a pro. She was she is who she has been ever since I saw her when she was in the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, Ariel Atkins has always been the same person. So um, Ariel, you know, I mean, a lot of coaches probably had their hand in helping her develop. Um, she she was who she was at a, at a very very young age, and nothing that Ariel ever does surprises me because it's who she is. Um, Jordan, if she can continue on the path, uh, from the aspect of really believing, to be honest with you, that I'm not sure she knows how good she is and I'm not sure she knows what she's really capable of. And that's crazy to say because of all the things that she's accomplished, yeah. but I'm still not sure she's there, you know, ready to believe that she can be, you know, like a starter in the WNBA. I mean, I'm not sure she has that type of self-confidence right now today. And, you know, it's, it's, everything is a work in progress. All, all, every person is a work in progress. And she's just one of those that still needs to trust her work, you know, and trust how, how good she is and how much she loves to prepare and how much she loves to play the game. Um, if I'm a WNBA coach, I'm taking her no matter what, because again, of her approach to the game. I mean, she just wants to be coached. She wants to be cared about. Um, she's she's going to be really terrific. But, you know, there's an approach that you have to take 
in in the pros, you know, to not let other things, you know, surroundings bother you to, to make sure that you stay on track and all of that. And I, I just think she's still getting there with that. Um, but the, again, I started with the sky's the limit because that that's what it is with Jordan. With with Jordan, with Kira White, you have a couple of players coming over from USC. And I'm always intrigued by that because I think there's been a lot of breakdown of walls and the way in which a lot of people think about where pro talent comes from, where even, you know, there's a power five or no, there's a power six or, um, you know, I listen, I, I'm old enough to remember WNBA front office members saying to me, yeah, she's from George Washington. So I'm going to put all those numbers that John Paul Jones put up and put them aside. She's not uh, a pro level talent and and miss i mean that john paul jones was the sixth overall pick in that draft it kind of blows your mind right and i I guess from your perspective as a coach putting it together where things have changed so much in the past three four five years in terms of where the talent comes from has your mix changed when you think about how your team ought to look you know before you even get into the fact that it's five classes in four as we've had to navigate you know that extra COVID year um I mean that that is a that has been an interesting dynamic, even to the point that my team this year has still a mix of players that could stay another year, right? Um, and could not, you know, they could graduate, move on. Um, so it, it's, I mean, we all deal with the same thing. Like you, you're really just coaching one team, right? You know, you're just coaching which is what we're all supposed to do in the first place, to be honest with you. I mean, we're supposed to stay in the moment, right? Um, and that literally is what we better do now. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you recruit. I'm still a fan of recruiting freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something inside of me that may not be realistic about buy-in and, you know, people wanting to still have a legacy somewhere. Uh, so I enjoy the process of watching, you know, a Sydney Love look like a totally different person this year and started all year last year as a freshman point guard. I've enjoyed watching, you know, each one of those five freshmen that I really talked into helping me build this program. I mean, they all came back and it's been fun to watch them. And, you know, it, I, I know I'm unrealistic to think that all five of them are going to be seniors in two years. Um, but that I'm still going to dream, you know, and I'm still going to coach like that. Um, but I do think that the dynamic has changed in a sense of you just coach your team and to the best of your abilities. And, you know, I used to take it really, really personal. And Howard, this is where I've changed. And we all had to change in the business. I took it very personal when someone left my program. Mm-hmm. You know, what have I done wrong? Even though at times it it wasn't anything. It, I mean, most of the time, to be honest with you, it's playing time. Right. That's really almost all it is. But I mean, not now, but back in, you know, back five, 10 years ago, when someone left your program, 95% of the time it was playing time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's not now. And you can't take it personal. You know, they might be going because X, Y, Z. And it's not a, you know, I think the more that we all have understood that it's not a personal thing, you didn't do necessarily anything wrong. 
and you don't have any ill feelings towards anybody and they probably don't have any ill feelings towards you. Um, you can kind of stay in the moment a little bit better, you know, and, and I think we all have to do that as coaches. I mean, you, you just can't spend all of your time worrying about who's going into the portal and, you know, I don't want to spend my time coaching my team, but in the, in the, in the background of that, I'm looking at the, you know, to see who's jumping, who might be jumping in the portal. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately there are a lot of coaches that do that. Yeah. You know, they're spending all their time trying to figure out who's not playing. Mm -hmm. Oh, well they, maybe they're going to go in the portal because they're not getting to play. I mean, that, it's a sad way that, that some of us are handling our business and I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, I just would like to coach my team. And hopefully they have a great experience and want to return. And if they don't, then I'll deal with that when that happens. And we're going to talk about the way in which the experience turned into victories here in the final segment. Uh, but first, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, look, we spent a lot of time talking together. We get fired up on everything that happened in the world of women's basketball. And I'm thankful for that connection. So I want to share with you about what Jace Medical offers. You can get a one-year supply of any medication. You don't have to worry about whether you can refill your generics. You can make sure, even if there's extended travel, a natural disaster, supply chain issue, that you are covered. Go online right now to jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply of your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half just to have them. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered the antibiotic kit. I feel more secure now and prices are lower than local pharmacy. So if you or someone you love would get some peace of mind having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off your purchase. So as I said at the top, as I said in the middle, and again, just point of personal privilege, listeners, I've been able to see Karen Aston go about her business and cover the way she does it for a very long time. And people who bring class and winning and genuineness to what they do, they bring that everywhere they go. So I'm not surprised as I'm sitting there last spring and I'm watching this team that had one win before you got there and seven in year one go to 13 and finish stronger than you started and get those wins down the stretch. And so um, I think it's important that people pay attention to what happened there. But I want you to take me inside what that felt like, what that change looks like. As we know, winning is like that final lock when you're opening a safe, getting into place. And all the other numbers can be there. But until you get that final lock and turn the key, it doesn't happen. So what happened? And then specifically, we're going to talk about Sydney Love because she's such a cool young player to talk about. Absolutely. Um, I mean, again, there were games at the beginning of last year that I thought, you know, we all thought we should have won. Uh, mm -hmm. let, let a lot of them slip away. And, and that was disappointing because we legitimately probably could have had 18 wins easy. Uh, we probably let four or five games slip away 
one reason or the other, young point guards, um, you know, chemistry not quite there yet with so many new players, not not really understanding roles. And I will say it was a it was a big uh, adjustment for our team to have a player that could score the ball like Jordan, mm-hmm. you know, and really understand, okay, how do we get her the ball at the right time? Um, you know, I haven't mentioned Kira White at all, but just the emergence of her leadership was so critical because at one point, Sydney and Maddie, both, uh, both of our point guards that were freshmen, both got injured at the same time. And uh, Kira White's growth has been something that I have enormously enjoyed watching just where she was when she got here and where she is now is incredible. Um, so, you know, I, it's a lot to talk about. But I will say that there was, you know, just a couple of just moments that you were like, okay, they're getting it. You know, like we're starting to figure some things out. One of the biggest moments really was at North Texas. And, and you know, we had lost to them here. Um, we had started to string along a few games. I mean, the middle game was huge. I mean, I, I hate to discount that. We hadn't beat a ranked team in I don't know how many years. Middle Tennessee comes in here. They're ranked. They're the best team in our league, hands down. And we upset them at home. It was it was an amazing experience to watch those kids celebrate that. So that kind of jump started some confidence. And it's all about confidence. Uh, That jump started it. We go to North Texas soon after that and win a game in overtime that, you know, we kind of let a lead slip away, but Jordan had over, you know, she had 40 in that game. And I think that everybody was just like, okay, she can, I mean, I think it was also a moment when she realized she could put a team on her back and I'm not sure she had ever known that about herself. Hmm. Um, So there was just some really cool experiences. And I think um, to get to the semifinals of the tournament was um, a great experience for me as a coach to, I've again, I mean, I've had I've gotten to get on a bus and go to a final four. You know, I've gotten to get on a bus and go to the Elite Eight. And these players have not been to the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. at all. So it sounds kind of silly, but we go to the semis of the tournament and they get on the bus and there's a police escort. And that was the first time those kids had experienced a police escort before. And, And I think it was just overwhelming for them you know they had never I mean they were so excited I don't think they I think they forgot they were supposed to play in the game (laughs) so we didn't really show up at all but there's a reflection back with those kids that I hope will matter this year Mm -hmm. in certain moments because I told them after the game we talked about it even this fall I asked them this fall do you remember that you know those of you that got a piece of that experience do you remember that and they were like yeah it was the coolest thing ever and I said, well, that's what happens when you go to the NCAA tournament. You know, you I mean, those are just things that you want. That's the whole point of this. You know, you want them. I mean, they work their tails off. Mm-hmm. Our sport is crazy. How much we work. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, they, they go to summer school all summer. They have five days off Christmas. They don't get Thanksgiving. I mean, they're it's crazy. Yeah. And you want them to get some reward from that. I mean, everybody can't get rewarded. I understand that. But. You know, that's really what we're trying to accomplish here. You know, let's go to postseason and get a, get some experiences like that and get some rewards for all your hard work. And so it's not surprised to me you got there ahead of me, but I wanted to talk about where that is, where that end of the rainbow is. I want to talk about how 
Sydney Love is going to help you get there. And I think it's really interesting to me. And tell me if you see it differently. You, you're living it. I'm seeing it from the outside. It's in a lot of ways the way you put the ball in Brooke McCarty's hands early in terms of what she was able to do. Now, if you go on anything like a permanent basis, if you go and look efficiency-wise, what Sydney was able to do as a freshman starting 24 games, more, more than Brooke did, mm-hmm. uh, is really significant. The player I see parallels to in terms of style is Shug Sutton. Um, again, and I know I've done a lot of these today, the, I normally have one point of personal privilege. You'll notice, and it's not a coincidence, oh, point guards keep developing under Karen Eston. Okay, a side over. So now let's talk about Sydney Love, where she is, where she's going. Um, I, th- I just think she's really, really special. Um, you know, she she grew she grew up in a household that clearly was basketball driven and sport driven. You know, I mean, her brother plays at Baylor, and and another brother that's played a sister that played another sport, and so it's just a, a sport family. Uh, when Sydney Love walked on this campus, she was the most prepared player for off season conditioning, summer workouts. Um, she has a pro approach. Hmm. Uh, just it's it's a business approach to the way she handles her business on and off the court. Uh, there's no question that she, whatever she wants to accomplish, that that young lady's she's going to get around to it because of how she approaches every day. Um, I will say that there is a, a little bit of a parallel with Suge mm-hmm. uh, in a sense of kind of a two guard in a point guard's body a little bit. You know, I mean, Suge loved to shoot, loved to score the ball, loved to sometimes move over as did Brooke. I mean, there were times that I would move Suge and Brooke around just so Brooke could, you know, go shoot and not worry about running a team. Um, But Sydney is in that mold. There's no question. I mean, just, just a gym rat loves the gym is going to be uber prepared every single day for practice. And, you know, she's one of those that I, I think if she stays here four years, her Jersey will be up in the rafters. Yeah. I mean, she's just that good and that impactful on our program. I mean, she's grown so much in one year. I can't even imagine what her her trajectory uh, will be as she continues in her career. Her shots getting in her range. We're working on her range. Um, you know, she kind of could get to the remedy that she wanted in high school. So, you know, she's learning how to read, pick and roll action a little bit differently, um, learning when when to give up the ball and, how to advance it, just things that young people that have had the ball in their hands their whole have to figure out. Right. But I want to mention this before we get off here. Please. There is a common denominator about all of the point guards, and it's Jamie Carey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't get off this without saying that, you know, there's a – if you got any of these guards on the phone today and ask them who, who impacted their careers, I mean, they're all self-made. Let me start there. They're all self-made players. But Jamie Carey has been a huge influence on our on any program that I've ever coached. Um, she is, I think, the best point guard coach in the country. Um, you know, I think I have the best recruiter in Empress Davenport in the country, and I think I have the best developer of forwards. I mean, you know, Jordan's really improved dramatically in some areas, and Cameron Miles is the reason for that. Mm-hmm. So it's all about who you surround yourself with. I have a staff that has been to the young players, and I think – the reflection of that is that we didn't have anybody transfer and that's pretty 
That's pretty unbelievable, Howard. When you get right down to it, that's pretty unbelievable that no one transferred. It is uh, because everybody doesn't play. Mm-hmm. And everybody doesn't get to play the minutes they probably thought they should. But I think that there is, it's a shared vision here for sure. And that vision and where it's going in your mind, is it postseason play this year? Is there a sort of a, a bar you're setting for yourself and for this team when you think, you know, what is it and when and where? Just, say, you know, how do you define that? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, we're picked eight. Right. So if you look at what we're picked, we're not going to postseason, you know. Right. And and so for me, um, we have some common goals that really don't ever go away. And that's, you know, I'm a big believer in the 20 wins. Um, I think it's a reflection of, you know, a successful season. And then there's a whole lot more that goes into uber successful. But I do think 20 wins is is success. Um, postseason play is that's always going to be on our goals. I mean, it's not going to change just, you know, I, that was on my the first year. Now we had some other goals, you know, let's try to do this and let's try to do this. Uh, but, you know, we're always going to, I mean, that's the goal that this team has talked about it from day one. I think it was that feeling in the conference tournament of we got to the semis, we didn't know how to handle it. You know, we didn't know how to get over the excitement of being there and couldn't even, you know, refocus and get ready to play a third day in a row. And now how do we get ready to play possibly four days in a row, you know, to go to postseason. So those are things that our team talks about all the time. Um, Obviously Jordan's health is going to be a big factor in that. I think, you know, anybody that scores the way she does, I mean, we have to find different ways to handle that. Um, But I do think that that is a realistic goal for us. Yeah. It made sense. And to our listeners, I would just say you bet against Karen Ashton at your peril. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for our listeners. Thank you for showing up for us every day. Thank you, Karen, for being part of this show. Make sure you tune in again tomorrow. Obviously, all the coverage will continue. College basketball season is almost here. I know you're as excited as I am, everyone. Until then, I am Howard Magdal wishing all of you a wonderful day. Welcome to the You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball.